0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. I'm reading from Matthew, the seventh chapter. And a certain centurion servant, verse two, who was dear to him. Some translations say whom he loved was sick and ready to die, so when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, he begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this, they said, was deserving, or he's worthy. Listen to the reason, verse 5, for he loves our nation, and he has built us a synagogue. These are the elders of Israel saying, this is why he's worthy. Is he loves the nation and he's built his churches, we would say. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself. I am not worthy that you should enter into my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you. But speak the word, say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, come, and he comes, and one, go, and he goes, and one, do this and do that, and they do it. Listen to verse 9. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. It's the only place in all the Bible that's found. He marveled at him. It didn't happen for any of the disciples. It didn't happen for any of the miracles. It didn't happen for any other occasion in all the Holy Bible where God marveled at him. Who was him? A centurion, a Roman soldier. He marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent returned to the house, and the servant was well who had been sick. This amazing story happened as Jesus walked off of preaching perhaps the most famous sermon he would ever preach the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon of Beatitudes. He had just taught one of the great things of that message to love your enemies, to do good to those who oppress you. And now he walks off of that sermon platform in the mountains of the northern part of Jerusalem. and He walks into his hometown of Capernaum and the elders of Israel come and they say, Go to this Roman soldier's house and pray for his servant. Pray for him because he loves this country. Pray for him because he's given enormous resources and built us a synagogue. And he's not even one of us. He's a Gentile. He's a Roman soldier, a part of the people who are oppressing and who are, are, absolutely overstepping over and on us. And we are under their dominion and control. And Jesus had just taught, love your enemies. Jesus had just taught, pray for those who do wrong. And now it's kind of like, I guess he might've thought, well, I just preached that I might as well go. But it's interesting that the thing that they came and said, he's worthy of a miracle because he loves our nation. Number one, we ought to love Israel. Number two, and he's built our church. He, he's given of his enormous resources, and we wouldn't have our synagogue without this man using the resources that, that, that he has. And a church is, our synagogue was just where the law was taught, it's just where the morality and the morals of the Old Testament were taught. The Ten Commandments were taught. The five books of the Old Testament were taught. And he liked that. He liked that better than the religion of the Romans. And what I want you to understand is I, there's, there's three quick things that caused this man to stand out. This is what great faith can do. That's what I'm preaching on. This is what great faith can do. This man had three things that caught the attention of Jesus and and caused him to marvel. The word marvel means to be astonished. The word marvel means to be amazed and to stand in awe. One translation said to take the breath away. Can you imagine God in the skin of human man veiled in flesh? was so moved, not by a preacher, not by a disciple, not by a rabbi, not by a scholar of the Torah, not by someone who, who, who performed great miracles, but a man who was not even, I want to call him a non-religious man, exercised so much faith in what Jesus, who he was and what he was able to do That Jesus said, I'm not impressed with titles and I'm not impressed with religion and I'm not impressed with how many scriptures you can quote and how many praise songs you sing that you really don't mean because you really don't believe that God will do anything that he hasn't, that was beyond normal. But when he saw a non-religious guy look at him and say, don't come to my house, they said he's worthy, but he said, I'm not worthy. And the closer I get to you, because as Jesus started getting close to his house, the closer you get to Jesus. Anything in you that's proud, and anything in you that's arrogant, and anything inside of you that says, "I'm worthy," "I look at me," "I'm wonderful," God ought to bless me. I don't understand why you haven't answered my prayer. I did this. I gave my. I did that. I did that. I did that. The closer you get to Jesus, the more you see your own sinfulness, and the more you see His holiness, and the more you understand. I'm not worthy. You're the worthy lamb that was slain. And everything I get, I deserve only because of your blood and the cross and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I don't deserve anything. Well, we've been going to church all these years and God ought to do something for You don't deserve anything. All of your righteousness is his filthy rags. But when you look at him and you say, his blood deserves a miracle. His blood deserves my family being saved. His his suffering on the cross absolutely is worthy of a healing in my life. Worthy is the lamb. And when this man, a non-religious man said, When Jesus was getting close to his house, notice what he loved. He loved his country. He loved the country that he was in. I just want to pause and I want to say, I still love America. I still love the red, white, and blue. I still get tears in my eyes when I see a mother get a flag and know that her son died for our nation. I still love the national anthem and I stand for it and put my hand on my heart. I'm not ashamed to say I love. This is the greatest nation in the world. There's none like it. He loved the nation he was in. Notice what else he loved. He loved the church and he gave to build it of himself. Boy, when you love the church and you love your nation. I know in that text it was talking about the nation of Israel, but I don't think there's anything wrong, especially when you've had a week like we've had that we remind ourselves with all of our bad history and flaws and mess-ups and injustices. This is still, all you gotta do is go to Afghanistan. All you gotta do is go to Haiti. All you gotta do is go somewhere in the world where there's no freedom like Russia, and you will appreciate the fact that we can raise our hands and we can speak the name of Jesus and not worry about our families being imprisoned or worse. Take a praise break and thank God for our nation. I love our nation and I love my church. Come on, do you love your church? I'm just going to preach a minute. We better get up and get back in church. We better get up and announce with our physical presence, I love my church. And he loved his servant. What kind of person marvels Jesus, astonishes Jesus? Number one, a person who has great love. For his country, for Israel, for not only that, but he loved, he, he, he loved the synagogue. He loved the church. He loved it. It was the center. We ought to, we ought to make church. It still ought to be something we cherish. And then He loved his servant. I read something interesting this week when I was looking into this. A centurion was someone who was over at least a hundred soldiers that were under him. A centurion in the Roman army was someone who was not allowed to be married. When he was elevated to that position, it meant that he would give up the right to be married and have a family because he knew eventually he would be sent to foreign Seoul because the Roman empire was ever expanding and he would be required to stay and be stationed at that place for up to 20 years, never to come back home from that place that he had been assigned to. And so servants and people that he took with him became like family to them often one commentary said they were their family. And so when one of his servants whom he loved got sick, he loved him. And Jesus was astonished and marveled at this man because of his great love. But secondly, his great humility, because the elders said he's worthy for you to go in his house and do a miracle. But the man said in the text, I didn't even feel worthy to come to you. And now that you're coming to me, I don't feel worthy that you would come under my roof. I got a sneaky suspicion. He probably was thinking to himself, I've got got altars and images and statues to gods that I burn incense and make blood sacrifices to, just like all the Romans did. They're all in my home. They're all out in my yard and in my garden. I I, I worship all kinds of gods, and he's a holy, he is God in the flesh. He is, I I sense this this is the God of all gods, the king of all kings, and I'm not worthy that he would come in. That's humility. Uh, Humility says, Lord, I'm not worthy, but you're worthy. And then lastly, he had great faith. And when Jesus approached his house and they told him what the man said, he said, just tell him to speak the word only. And my servant will be healed. What he was saying was, I know who you are. And Jesus, the Bible said, did something that the angels couldn't make him do. The sun, the moon, the stars could not make him do. Nobody in the scriptures made him do. Nothing that happened in all of creation made him marvel. It never says after he created something or he did something or he performed some miracle and God marveled on his throne. The only time that God Almighty marveled is when he saw a non-religious man who recognized who he was behind that veil of flesh. Listen, and the power of his spoken word to do what he said it would do. And the Bible said that it took the breath away of Jesus for a moment. It stunned him. It astounded him. And God or Jesus marveled. He stepped back and said, wow, not in all of Israel with all these religious people have I ever seen faith like this. The only thing that can make God be astonished and and stun God and marvel God is a mere man who recognizes who he is And that the power of what he says, he can make it happen. And he said, go because your servant is healed. And they went back and the servant was healed. A non-religious man believed and it marveled Jesus. A mere man could make God almighty marvel. And when Jesus marvels, it ought to make us meditate on why. Anybody that can marvel God, blow God's mind, I want to know why. I want to know how can a, I mean, I I fast 21 days, God doesn't marvel. I pray and read my Bible and bring my tithe, God doesn't marvel. And here's a guy who's not even half nothing. He's a non-religious guy, but he just believes. I love that God says, you don't have to impress me with your religious stuff. That's all good. It's disciplines. It's all, But it's all about believing in who I am and what I have promised you. Even when you're suffering, I can make it happen. Even when it doesn't look good, I can turn it around. Even when you have no answers and you have no no hope almost, you still believe that makes God marvel. When Joshua fought five different armies and the sun started going down, That same spirit came on him, and this brash captain looked up at the sun setting, and he knew that I've got the enemy on the run, and when the sun goes down, they're going to get away, and they're going to keep coming back and attacking me and my family and my nation and my people, and so he prays a bold prayer in Joshua chapter 10. He said, in the sight of all of Israel, he prayed, son, stand thou still. And moon, stand still. And the sun stood still about a whole day until the people had avenged themselves of their enemy. And there was no day like that before and after that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man. The sun didn't make God marvel. A mere man who who made the big ask, who had the boldness and the courage To look up at the sun and say to the sun that God created, I'm a man set under authority and I've got a name that I can call on. The God who hung that sun, I want you to make it stand still. And God stopped the universal orbit for one man. I don't know what's in orbit. I don't know what's moving and you think it's unstoppable. But when you stand up and you say, but Lord, I don't have to have you come into my house and see a vision of you glowy at night. You just send the word. You give me a promise and I'll take that promise and I'll go against all the orbit of everything coming around and I'll stand and say, stand still. Let the word come and bring to pass what God has promised. Promise. Somebody praise God that only you and I can make God marvel. I want you right now just to look over at somebody and pat your chest and say, I can make God be astonished. I can astonish Jesus. I can marvel God. I can this morning when I believe his word above what I see and what I feel glory listen to what the bible said in hebrews 11 by faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of god so we understand that the things that are made are made of things which do not appear everything that is here is original (laughs) and they appeared by things that we can't see that's god all things were created in heaven and in earth. All things were created for him and by him, visible and invisible. Whether there be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, he is before all things. And he is, and, he, and by him all things consist. How in the world can you marvel and astonish and stun and take away the breath of a god who just created it all he just he just opened his mouth and said let there and the spittle from his mouth created galaxies and this planet and he hung this earth on nothing, Job said. He hung the world on nothing. You can't hang your hat on nothing, but God took nothing, made it into something and then hung it on nothing. And then he s- turns around and spins his finger and all of a sudden everything's moving It's just really amazing when you think about it. This 8,000 mile wide ball that we call earth rotating at 1,000 miles per hour while soaring around the sun at 67,000 miles per hour. And when you're standing or sitting still, even if you don't move for 24 hours and you just sit your blessed assurance in that seat, the whole time you have moved every 24 hours one and a half million miles a day and the one who controls all things and spoke it. And when he created it and he put it all out there, he never marveled about that. The magnificent earth, full of mystery and beauty, sea life, plant life, uh, animal life, human life, the physical body. The earth is just his footstool. The star Teres is able to swallow up 64 million suns greater than the one sun that we have over Earth. The star Epsilon is 3,000 times the size of our sun. Our closest star to planet Earth is 26 trillion miles away. The farthest star is 59 trillion miles away. We are just a speck, planet Earth, in the big picture of all of God's creation. But none of that stuff marvels God. None of that stuff astonishes God. God is not impressed. As a matter of fact, this blows my mind. When God got ready to take credit for all creation, he, and, and, he, and he wanted to mention, I made the stars too. This is what he said he used five words. He made the stars also. No big deal. I created all living thing And by the way, just as a footnote, I made the stars also. That's how big and bad I am. So nothing, nothing in this universe made God marvel. But when a man, when a woman, when a mother, when a dad, when a teenager, when a young person stands up and says, I believe what God has spoken to me, he's going to bring the past. God says, oh, oh my goodness, I'm astonished. They believe it. They don't just say it. They believe it. They don't just sing it, they believe it. Does anybody want to astonish Jesus by believing his word? Woo. Hallelujah. When you stand and you say, Lord, I'm still confident. I don't see it, I don't feel it, I don't understand it. I don't have answers, but I'm still confident. I still trust you. I still praise you. I still honor you. You make Jesus Christ be astonished and stunned. Seas parting, the the red sea becoming like jello. I'm sure there was a little snotty-nosed kid in the in the children of Israel when they were walking through on dry ground that had to poke it one time and it was it was just it would just tremble and shake like jello standing up on both sides and they're walking across but God did not marvel. A donkey opened its mouth and, and preached to the prophet Balaam and God did not marvel. A whale swallowed a man for three days and spit him up afterwards. And he came out like a, like a raisin with no hair and all, all shriveled up and, and came out preaching no eyebrows, you know, all those acids had eaten everything away. And he just, a, he looked like some kind of weirdo, but he repented. I would have repented if I saw that, but God did not marvel. An axe head doing the backstroke across the Jordan River, and God did not marvel. A bush burning and lighting up in the wilderness and saying, Take off your shoes, 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 shoes. You're standing on holy ground, ground, ground. I would marvel, but burning bushes didn't marvel, God. 26,000 tons of manna every morning at the tent door of the Israelites for 40 years didn't marvel, God. Water coming out of rocks didn't marvel, God. God dead men being raised like Lazarus didn't marvel God but when someone says Lord speak the word only and I don't know how you're going to provide I don't know how you're going to deliver I don't know how you're going to work a miracle but I believe in you and your ability to get it done Come on, somebody with a shout of praise. The devil didn't think you'd come to church and praise God like you're praising him. That makes heaven marvel. Old Jehoshaphat got a bad, bad letter from Sennacherib. Evil king. He said, I've got 600 chariots of iron and I'm going to run all over you. He sent it in a letter. He took the letter to the temple, put it on the altar, looked up to heaven and said, God, we we got mail. Because you put me here and I know you're good and I know you're faithful and I know you love me. And I don't understand this attack, and I don't understand this letter, I don't understand this x-ray, I don't understand this news, I don't understand these dark days, but I know you're working all things together for the good. And so God said, well, I'll tell you what to do, Jehoshaphat, take the praise singers and tell them to get out on the front line, don't send any weapons with them, just give them a tambourine and give them a harp and give them a violin and give them a guitar, and a saxophone. And, 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 and tell them to get out there and do nothing but talk about how good I am and how merciful I am and how I'm a generational God and my mercy endures from one generation to another. Don't care what the times bring. Don't care what the culture brings. Don't care what, time, what evil brings. Don't care what Antichrist wants to bring. Bring it on. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And the Bible said when they got out there and they started praising God, that's why what we're going to do tonight, that's why what we're doing in here, it's more than the loud, annoying person behind you while you're trying to soak it all in. No, sometimes you don't understand. That's a former alcoholic. That's a former jailbird. That's the one on your right over there. Look at him. He's a former alcoholic. That one was a manic depressive. That one was lost. That one was sick and dying of COVID, but here they are in church this Morning. You don't know why people are so noisy. You need to leave them alone. Maybe the Bible said rejoice with them that rejoice. Uh oh. That means if anybody on your road starts rejoicing, you have a biblical mandate to jump in and say, I don't even know what we're shouting about, but let's go. Let's go. Let's go. That includes the Let's go. That includes coming in Spartanburg and Midtown. Let's go. Orange County. Gwinnett. Somewhere else. Stand to your feet. One of the most touching stories in the Bible to me, especially with all that's going on in Afghanistan. Do you understand what that man just said? Do you understand what he just said? Do you understand how the persecuted church, this is not a game to them. That if they are caught worshiping in Cabal today, they will be reported. Somebody will tell and their daughters could be kidnapped and given to some man to be raped and used the rest of her life never to hear the name of Jesus again. One of the most moving verses in the Bible to me is when the first martyr was being stoned named Stephen. As they were hitting him with stones the same demon. Demons never die. The same demon that hates Christianity that is manifest with soldiers and with swords in their hands making Christians on the beach get down and either deny Jesus Christ or be beheaded. Well, there's a church in Afghanistan right now somewhere in a basement and they're calling on Jesus. Jesus. And they're worshiping Jesus. And when Stephen was being stoned, the Bible said every other place in the New Testament, you check me out, where Jesus is found after the crucifixion, he's sitting at the right. He's in heaven and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Only one time does it say different, and it's when Stephen's being stoned, and he looked up and the heavens open, and he saw Jesus. Watch this, standing. You don't understand what I'm saying. When you stand up for Jesus, you need to hear this. When you stand up for Jesus, he'll stand up for you. I can't imagine the flag. I've taken a lot of flag, but I can't imagine the flag you're taking. But oh man of God when you stand up for Jesus look out. God stands up for you. We have the ability to marvel and astonish and stun God and make heaven stand up. I heard a powerful story this week from a from a great great preacher friend of mine that texts and calls me every once in a while and he said he said that there was a missionary in his in his ministerial group who went to Sri Lanka, which I believe is a part of India I, I don't I didn't even have time to check this but it, it's near near India. and is it part of India I don't know. Does anybody know? no. So it's near, it's borders with India. That's the way he told it. And he said, this pastor went there. They had never had a Christian church in this community. Never. Worshiping multiple gods, statues. If you've ever been there, you you know the culture. And this guy goes in and he's preaching Jesus' name and he's baptizing the believers in the holy river that's dedicated to all those gods and they're getting saved, and getting baptized, and getting saved, and getting baptized. And this is what he said happened. He said the priest in that area got so upset that they took poison, and they snuck in, in the cover of night, and poured poison in his well. The water that they, only water they have to drink, to clean, to cook, to wash with, He po- they poisoned the well. And someone, a sympathizer, from 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 the community heard about it, and came at four in the morning and slid a note up under the door and said, "Don't drink the water; it's poison." And so that man called his bishop, and he said, "What am I going to do?" And the bishop said, "Let me pray about it." And he prayed about it and called him a few hours later, and he said, "I found in Second Kings chapter three a story of poison water in the Bible." And God told the prophet to pour salt in the water and then to drink it. And he said, that's what I want you to do. <laughs> True story. I believe this man. I know this man. He, don't, he, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't make this up. He said his friend went home, got the phone call and told his wife and his children. They got on their knees. They prayed. They heard from heaven. Listen to this. He said they went outside and they pulled the bucket up and said that there were people that were watching and the priest had basically set up a a little camp across the street having a celebration and he pulls the water out and he says, in the name of Jesus, if I drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt me. And he drinks the water and his family drinks the water and nothing happened to him. The people were astonished, but wait a minute. A few months later, a massive drought hits that place and every well in the city, including all those priest's wells, they all dried up. There was only one well that preacher called his bishop. He said, the whole city is lined up at my church every morning wanting water. What happened? One man heard a word from God and he stood on it and he astonished and marveled heaven and God said, I'll stand by that man. I'll stand by that woman. I'll stand by that grandmother. I'll stand by that mother, that son that takes a stand on what God has promised. Throw your hands up all over this room and with a mighty praise begin to cry out for Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.